Welcome to Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone. This is Lorraine Moss. And Louis Victor. And today we are talking about something that, well, pretty much everybody in the industry, the culinary industry, is talking about right now. In the weeds, on the brink. Now, the reason why we use in the weeds is because this is a culinary term that pretty much every cook uses, well, maybe at least weekly, but maybe every day if they work in a busy kitchen. It basically means like, what you're crazy busy you're, you're overwhelmed you're in trouble basically you're you can't keep weeds. up you need help you're getting your ass kicked yeah. basically in the kitchen yeah. and so we thought that that would be an interesting way of kind of going into this topic of exploring mental health issues in the culinary industry and that feeling of being in the weeds unfortunately many times kind of spills into our real personal lives as well um, and it's something that hasn't been talked about as much as it should be talked about. Uh, it comes up, and it has come up a lot in the last year, especially with the death of Anthony Bourdain, uh, one of many of our culinary idols. Uh, with that, what happened to him and him taking his life last year in June, uh, it raised a really important topic topic of discussion. Uh, he admitted many times in his life and many times publicly that he suffered from depression. He suffered from drug addiction, alcohol addiction, all kinds of different addictions. When he took his life, many of us, well, started to question ourselves and really gave a good thought about our peers. And, you know, is this because I think to many of us, like as as much as he had discussed it at times that he had gone through depression and points of addiction, that we kind of thought we were going to live with him until he died naturally, right? right? Like, he was such a ball of life, so exciting, so interesting, so intelligent, that uh, it was a big blow to us. It was a shock, yeah. Uh, one of the quotes before he died, he said, Admittedly, it's a life that grinds you down. Most of us who live and operate in the culinary world are in some fundamental way dysfunctional. It's true. I just used that quote last week actually when Did I, you? I, I'm I uh, posted something on social media because like right now I'm doing stuff for Eater Las Vegas I own my own photography business and I'm still a chef so I was like I'm functionally dysfunctional but please don't date me right now because like there's <laughs> absolutely no room for that we're definitely yeah. gonna get on the topic of relationships because that's a major issue when it comes to mental health and right. being in our career uh this is a very heavy topic it's an important topic. Uh, it's one that is interesting and funny, but also very serious. Yeah, that's and, true. And, you know, really, honestly, it's a life and death issue. Mm -hmm. So because of that, instead of just us, like, mucking it up and talking the way that we normally do and just, you know, sharing war stories of being in the kitchen, uh, we wanted to bring in somebody that's a professional. We wanted to bring in Donna Wilburn. She's mm -hmm. here in Las Vegas. She's a marriage and family therapist, psychotherapist. She's an expert. She knows what she's talking about. 
So we want to have somebody that can enlighten us and just talk about the issues a little bit more. And maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a word that we say here today. Maybe there's something that we tell that might actually help somebody that feels like they're on the brink. That's our biggest hope. Yep. You know, but at the very least, it's information and information is awesome. It's something that we all need more information to make our lives better, to help make our peers' lives better in this industry. So welcome, Donna Wilburn. Thanks for being on with us. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Super important topic. So I reached out to you not knowing. I I reached out to you because I knew that you were good talking about these issues. You know, we've talked together when I was on TV here in town and didn't know at the time that you actually – this topic was a topic that you would already thought about. You have clients and you've had clients going through these issues. Why do you think the hospitality industry can be an industry where, you know, mental health is a major issue? Um, well, first of all, I think mental health is a major issue in every industry, but in this, in, and I've lived in Las Vegas, like 40 something years now. And it's a big food and beverage town, so there's no way to live here and not know people in food and beverage. I actually did cocktails when I was going through college, so surrounded by, and I know in the weeds, please, we know. We, we remember <laughs> being knows. in the weeds, and it's a sense of being overwhelmed. And so when you use that as a title, it was like it really clicked with me because one thing about um, in the food and beverage industry is that it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming, and I feel like because the chefs and the servers are on one level and the owners and the corporation is on a different level, that there's a real big disconnect between um, the environment and the money. That the people who are getting the money aren't really aware or uh, prioritizing what it's like for those down on the ground doing the cooking and the serving and, and all that and because of that disconnect I really feel the um, the industry workers are exploited I really do and I was one of them and you guys are that so I, I think there's a strong exploitation that happens uh, you know it's interesting when you I didn't know either that you had mm-hmm. uh, some experience in the hospitality mm-hmm. industry something that's interesting is not everybody seems to have some sort of connection, right? Mm -hmm. Because we had talked before with you, Louie, about, you know, what's the job you want to do? Like a lot of people will start out in the culinary industry in some kind of way, whether it's, especially in this town in Las Vegas, you know, serving or cocktailing, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's very something that we all kind of relate to that feeling of, you know, but it's weird Being. though. Like, um, like I talked to one of um, our manager friends about this, and he's like, "Well, you know, nobody really starts off saying, hey, when I grow up, I want to be a waiter.' No, no. Like that. They might say chef. Yeah. Especially nowadays, because uh-huh. it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> but they have no idea what it's you know, like. What it's really like to be I, in the arena. To give it just a little bit of context before we talk to Don a little bit more and ask her a few more questions. I just wanted to give you a little research. It's a brand new study that just came out by Nestle Professional. And when we say Nestle, we mean like Nestle the chocolate bar. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a study of UK chefs where they found that eight in 10 chefs have experienced poor mental health during their career. Eight in 10. Eight in 10. So I was thinking it would be like more, like more than 50, but yep. that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, 50% say professional kitchens aren't doing enough to support their mental health well-being. And 73%, 
<laughs> Colin sick due to due stress, to stress. At some point. Wow. Hmm, that's done that. pretty alarming. <laughs> and you know what? What's even alarming is this study was made in the UK. In the UK, it's like mandatory for them to have a month off. Right. Uh, right. They call it a holiday. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, like we don't even get that kind of vacation uh, on our first year. You're lucky if you get a like week. a week. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah. And that goes to the point of work life balance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest issues in our chosen field is that work-life balance and I'm sure like you were saying in every career there's a certain amount of stress but many people a lot of people maybe most people have the opportunity to have a weekend (laughs) so they have so everybody's looking forward to Saturday and Sunday it's your weekend off you know you get to go to like a beer fest or like go hang out at a museum go out with your friends go drinking whatever it is how many people do you know that have a Saturday Sunday off well, I demanded like, it. no one. Well, you I demanded it. I demanded it. You when have. I re-entered the culinary industry, right. I'm like, you want you me? You demanded it. I need this. And you were in the yeah. place to demand yeah. it. Yeah, so. But especially new cooks. Yeah. Or new chefs, every time you get promoted, there's no way you're going to get that schedule. No. You're going to get, like, some crazy, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe even, like, a split shift. You might get, or a split weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, Monday, Thursday. Something completely stupid where you can't. Go out with the people that you know that have jobs with regular schedules. You don't maybe see your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your friends because they have different days off. Uh, you work. I have not seen hours. my friend Joanna, our friend Joanna. Since in she like, started since Nomad? Since she started wow. <laughs> at a freaking awesome kitchen, yeah. Nomad. Yeah. Daniel Hum's uh, new restaurant here. Um, but, you know, she transitioned into being a sous chef. And I just can barely get a text back from her because she's like working six days a week um that one day she needs to see her boyfriend you know um she's working 15 16 hours which you know nothing against nomad this happens everywhere this is not we're not singling out nomad in any kind of way or any of the kitchens that we've worked in you know there are very few chefs that work eight hour chefs you know they work 10 hours minimum right it's based on a 50 hour work week but come on, nobody works 50 hours. We're lucky here because we do have the union. And, you know, it's in somewhat, like, some protects. places. <laughs> in some places. Yeah. But, you know, I, that's another topic because yeah, like, I find like totally. working for a non union house is more beneficial for me. It can be. Yeah. And it can be the other way too, depending on the kind of person you are and the kind of that's lifestyle another you need to live. Yeah, it's a totally another topic. Totally another topic. But right. so that work life balance, how important is that to, you know, having that healthy so, mental. <laughs> well-being and as you're talking and i work with a lot of different kinds of clientele and i would have to say the only clientele that i see who experiences much stress and pressure as chefs and kitchen workers are er doctors wow er doctors and we do get called in yeah (laughs) and so as you're talking it's the same kind of the kitchen culture is a lot like the medical culture it's not just when you're, you know, your work schedule, whatever, the whole culture of it. And I hear this from a lot of the kitchen folk I work with and, and you don't start off as head chef. Oh, so, heck no. right. So when you're working in it, the whole atmosphere is high pressure and not being treated very well. Mm-hmm. No. Right. It's very, it's rare. It's kind of right. rough, especially when you're starting out. You how know, they like... talk to you, mm-hmm. what they demand, how they treat you. There's a implication that if you don't work as much as I think you should work, you won't have this job. 
there's, for sure. there's a whole line of people waiting for this job and you're lucky to even have it. Right. So that goes with the doctor life also. They are treated harshly even during their learning process. So it becomes part of the expectation of being in the kitchen is that people are going to be yelling at you, demanding high pressure. You better show up when you do something wrong. It's not uh, a healthy way of handling it. It's It can be degrading or emotionally abusive. I have someone right now who doesn't work in the kitchen, but she's working with a chef and she needs coaching all the time because of how she's being talked to. And, and I go, you have to set your boundaries. So hearing, um, hearing Louie Louis talk earlier about setting boundaries and going, no, I insist on this. Part of the reason that, that chefs and, and the kitchen workers get treated that way is because they tolerate it and they're kind of trained to just expect it and deal with it rather than set your boundaries and say, no, that's not okay. See, there's two things about that. One, Louie's been in the field for a, a long while. time, right? So she's been doing it since she was young, mm -hmm. 18 young still hun i didn't mean it that way yeah. <laughs> you're still very young and vibrant <laughs> i'm um, aging backwards <laughs> exactly because you're half asian or you're okay. asian <laughs> so um yeah so you have a better place to do that also because you have other career possibilities yeah. and other mm -hmm. things that you're doing mm -hmm. and this is a whole other topic too but you have a certain amount of skill that many people don't have that and it's hard to table. find exactly out in our field so mm -hmm. If you're newer, you're maybe a year in or two years in or brand brand new at a culinary school, you can't make any demands at all. You're absolutely right. So she's gotten to a place where she can start to make those demands. She's also stayed in a shop for a long period of time. So she's got seniority. Um, also, she's gone through her life journeys right. that have gotten to her to a place where she knows how to put her foot down. Um, what you mentioned, which is also interesting to me, is this uh, style of managing people that's aggressive, mm -hmm. beyond assertive. In, abrasive. in my field, guys, it's uh, called abusive. It, it's it right. it's called definitely abusive. Both of us have been abused. But it's accepted verbally. Abuse. Yeah. What's the, the, the borderline to that, though? What's, what's the boundary? When you're making somebody feel bad about themselves because of what they did, that's abuse. If you're trying to teach somebody a, a different way or correct their way you don't need to be yelling at them calling them names calling them an idiot or stupid or intimidating them with your anger that's that's not teaching or educating that's abusing but it's so accepted in the kitchen unfortunately mm -hmm. and it's sad to think that you have to be what like 15 whatever years in the field to be able to set a boundary i'm hoping and, and you were talking about this earlier that using this, the Chef Bourdain's actions as a way of hopefully educating the culture, the kitchen culture, to motivate them to make changes in that culture so that we don't have these kinds of actions happening. These are stressed out people who are being treated badly and stress is being piled on them, of course they are going to break. Here's another thing about that too, is not only is there the stressful situation, uh, tensions high, people yelling at you, swearing at you, name calling, all kinds of things going on there. Um, but we are taught from day one about our culture, which is 
shut the hell up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep your head down. Work harder. Maybe yell at you. Work harder. Work harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's a very macho culture. It's a culture that comes from, you know, men. And I don't want to blame it just on men because I know women chefs are just like as bad or wh- worse. Oh, yeah. But I'm saying it started being a predominantly male culture and one where it's, you know, very military style. Mm-hmm. You know, you're here, you're below me, this person's below you, mm-hmm. and so on and There's so ranks. on and so on. So the lower that you are, the more torture you take. <laughs> and then the higher you are, for some reason, you change into this person that becomes a torturer a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Uh, and it's encouraged because, um, well, definitely in the beginning of my management part of my career, there was a lot of, Lorraine, you're just too nice. Mm-hmm. You're the nice chef. You don't want to be the nice chef. You're going to be taken advantage of. People aren't going to do what you want them to do. They're so not going to respect you. you from being nice. Yeah. And even if I'm assertive or I had been assertive, that wasn't enough. It was actually being more abusive. <laughs> you know, like actually swear at them. You know, right. just you, you yeah. need to do what you got to do. I kind of wonder why um, like these companies bother to kind of uh, have us watch the um, talk about the human resources thing? Yeah, the human <laughs> yeah. resources things. And I'm like, I watch it. And I'm like five minutes in, I'm like, okay, my whole career has been all about like the abuse and harassment. <laughs> you know? And this, I'm like, wow. And we're laughing because we can't, we have right. no choice. We're exactly. going to cry and we're going to laugh about it. Yeah. Um, but this, this idea, it's funny, it's, it's, this part's, you know, figurative that you're hiding, but there's also like a whole physical part of hiding torture. So like, mm-hmm. you'll cut yourself, you could cut your finger off. You could, if you're not careful. You know, yeah, you could burn yourself, third degree burns, like my arm's been sizzling before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, toughen up, dude. Like, right. Put, put, some, put some mayonnaise on that burn <laughs> and get back to work. You exactly. Know? Oh like, gosh. Can you we think don't of other even... careers where it's like that? Like the last time I burned myself was a couple of weeks ago, I picked up like a hot sizzling pan that I left on an induction burner. It was blue. I didn't <laughs> see. But you were in a rush. But you know what? Like I picked it up and like I didn't even yelp. I didn't even scream. I'm just, just like, okay. That's Calm it. down. You're and cool. You just continue. <laughs> you just go off. Continue working. Your life. Like, if it's something life-threatening, like you're bleeding to death or something, that's when you actually, like, that's the other chef, thing. can I get a Band-Aid, please? Yeah, that's happened to me before. Right? But, <laughs> but that's the other thing. So we were talking about this work-life balance and, like, you needing to take time off, you know, like, relax, whatever. Right. Um, when you get sick, <laughs> how often do you call out when you're no. sick? Oh, dude. Like, never. You get so much crap for right. calling out. I like, know. you could be bronchitis. Like, getting... Dying. Dying. But, you know, on the flip and side of that, like, how how would, like, the people feel knowing that the person cooking their food was actually <laughs> sick? Well, you're supposed so. to wash your hands like crazy. You're supposed to, like, you know... But it's... You're right. You, you yeah. raise a good point. But, I mean, our, uh, our kitchens don't allow for that sick time. It's like, you work, you get paid. You don't work, you don't get paid. But you're also gonna yeah. face harassment from your friends. Uh-huh. Your boss. After... You call in sick, yeah. Even people below you are going to face harassment for them. Right. Because you weren't tough enough. You tough it up. So all that you're talking about, and then and then you bring up Chef Bourdain and all, and, and it's not a shocker to see that these chefs could not 
for years and years be treated like that, handle the pressure, handle, handle the stress, not be able to call out, not be able to take time for themselves. And then you wonder why we're having so many who have difficulty, not just who may um, choose to, to end their life, but who also can't seem to maintain a marriage, whose kids never see them, who don't have you say, you know, oh yeah, you need work-life balance. You know how much time you're going to need to recover from what you just experienced? This is not, oh, I need a couple hours or one day. Mm -hmm. The pressure and stress that these guys are under, that these kitchen staff are under, like you, it requires more time to recover. So even that little time off that you got doesn't mean you got to baseline and you can reboot and start over. You're barely down the stress thermometer just a couple of notches. So over here, you guys are talking, and I'm a therapist. And I'm going, oh, my God. Um, I, you see I, all, like, the doomed. danger signs. They're doomed. Uh, there's they're a doomed. whole, like, thousands and thousands and millions of people out there who are living like this. Mm-hmm. That That just, it's overwhelming to me because I just worry about the mental effects, the physical effects, the family effects, the relationship effects. Like, you, you can't live like that and not have it affect just about every aspect of your life. And negative coping mechanisms. I wanted to talk a little bit about that because that leads mm-hmm. into what we're going to talk about next, which is when you can't take that time off, when mm-hmm. you don't relax, when you don't recoup, when you don't recover mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. physically, mm-hmm. even that can lead to problems. It leads to addiction. Drug problems, mm-hmm. alcohol problems. You which... know, I used to blame that on the schedule. Like, when we get off, God knows, one, two in the morning, and there would be nothing around us. That is definitely part of it. You're absolutely right. Except for a bar. So what do you have? You know, you chow down some, like, unhealthy food before you sleep, and then you drink a beer or two or maybe six with your bodies, you know? Or, you know, it's like, and then you, in your 20s, you recover pretty fast, but, you know, when you hit your 30s or 40s, (laughs) it's, like, impossible. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Right. But... I think part of it also, even with that, late at night, because you could do a lot of other things too, like yoga. Yeah, you what could I do found. the more positive things right. too. There's and yoga. so instead of doing those things, you are choosing, and not mm-hmm. you, but one is choosing, right. you know, drinking, maybe doing drugs, whatever, uh-huh. sex, who knows? Like just addictions, different kinds of addictions I that bet. could be positive or negative, but a lot of it is negative. Mm-hmm. Like, what drives you to that? Like, is it just the stress itself? Is it, like, are we creating people like this? Or are these kinds of people, like, the kind of people that are attracted to this kind right. of lifestyle? So, or is it both? Like, So, kind, I, I would say it's it's kind of both. But I was in that culture, too, doing cocktails, get off at 2 a.m. What else is there to do? All your friends are going to that bar. Like, it's not just the alcohol or the drink that's helping these folks get overcome their day. It's also the camaraderie and the belonging sure. and the verbalizing <laughs> and the venting and oh, talking sure. about venting. it. It's it's part of the culture is also to get off your job, everybody get together, sit around, eat and drink together, bond like that. That's what right. they that's how they bond. So imagine that like let's say it's you know, somebody it's maybe too much drinking. Well there's different types of people in that crowd where yes it then does go up a level for other people where it's like right pills and cocaine or something and and then the affairs and you're there's it's so unhealthy but what if where you worked at every day after work everybody got together 
had something to eat, didn't drink alcohol, bonded and talked, maybe, you know, hung out at a healthy place after work. It could Played be some outside. Board games. Board games. Right. Yeah, right. Done that like, too. Yeah. What, if that, what if that was part of the culture? Then you would be doing that. Right. So in saying to us that you're like, oh, goodness. Super warning, unhealthy warning, warning, warning. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. okay, like alarms are going off in your head. You're seeing sirens. I'm kind of scared now. <laughs> so, okay. There's, we're all obviously on different levels of this. Like, you know, there's the minimum, which is stress. Mm-hmm. You know, and different stressors and whatever. There's the maximum, which is the most terrible possible thing that could happen. Someone takes their life. Mm-hmm. But there's all this in between. So... What are the signs that we're talking about something that's much more serious than stress? Um, what are the signs that this is a serious maybe disease, like a serious addiction, a serious disease like depression? Right. And it's something that we need to like recognize in somebody so, maybe so that signs, we can help them. Right. So maybe signs that um, it's going in a bad direction or that you might need to look at something and get some help or something. So the typical signs are, you know, eating and sleeping problems. You're not sleeping. You want to go to sleep, but you can't seem to sleep. Um, Relationship problems, family problems, more negative thoughts in your head. You're resorting to using alcohol or whatever to feel better more often, more frequently, more intensely. Those are signs that you're going in a bad direction. It's not every single chef or every single kitchen worker that has a poor balance or that is overstressed. There are many healthy chefs and and kitchen workers, I know some, that do really take it seriously and want to have healthy relationships and healthy work-life balance. And and they are out there, okay? Maybe communicating or or sharing or or asking them how they do it is is an idea because they're out there. I know not many I know have maintained relationships but I do know a couple that have maintained long-term relationships and seem to be doing well. So it's not every single one. But like you were saying earlier, is it the person? Is it the culture? Really, it's a combination. So let's say as a person, somebody who didn't learn good stress management or who has a family history where people in their family use drugs or alcohol to manage stress, that person's going to have a harder time finding healthy ways to manage their stress let's say coming from a family where a lot of workaholics in there and their whole family culture is work 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 as much as you can and just do what you say to keep a job they're not going to be supportive of someone setting boundaries at work or saying i can't work there because they're abusive they're going to be like you got to work where you got to work and so someone who grew up in that life is is going to be less likely to make good choices when it comes to the work environment so uh, it's the upbringing, the person, um, there's a, I can't even tell you how many in that field have untreated ADD. They're already hyper. For sure. I know, I right? think I so, might have it. <laughs> already hyper, already want to put too much stuff on their plate, already multitasking, bad prioritizing, bad um, work-life balance, and they just can gravitate because, yeah, they'll totally exploit your ADD and make you even work even more and have even worse boundaries. So that's an individual factor. And then you get societal pressure and you have kids and you like make as much money as you can, got to make as much money as you can. And you forget that maybe spending time with your child is more important than 
this really nice house with this really nice car or whatever. And maybe downsizing is a better idea rather than work more to pay for it. Maybe you can downsize and spend more time with your kids and family. Uh, When you describe, it's a great point. When you describe that person who is not sleeping, (laughs) who, you know, is not handling a bunch of stuff, you're still describing us. So, yeah, guys. So, like, so, and everybody that I help. know. And so, but everybody I know. Like, so oh, I, so I can it's actually think of. to you. Yes. yes this is normalized for sure. Mm-hmm. So I can think of a few people that are the people that you're talking about, which are really great at work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, people that we look up to. I can think of a few that are awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's harder to find those examples. Mm-hmm. You can agree with me or disagree with me, but. I think it's harder to find those examples than it is to find the exact opposite, the norm. which is everybody that's Quote unquote, yeah. coping barely. Have you guys been in off-strip restaurants? Yes. Off-strip? Chef-owned, oh. chef-run, yeah, not yeah. smaller. Yeah. Where I work is with a the lot culture of different? Because oh. my impression is it's not the same as the corporate exploitation mm-hmm. restaurant. Maybe they care a little more about your work-life balance. But see, yeah. even maybe the opposite, too. Like, it just it just depends on the managers. It depends yeah. on the corporation. Let me talk about it depends that. Depends on quick. the chef. Yeah. Um. So I work with like a lot of local chefs because um, I do their photography. And you know, before I take on a project, I gotta check out you know the kitchen culture. This is what makes my work really keen and stand out. So I work with Kai, and one of the things that he say where Kai's at. Yeah, Kai Vu, Chef Kai Vu at Mordeo and District One and Foso One. Um, Famous Asian restaurants locally. Locally. Not on He's a genius of a chef. And one of the things that grabbed me, and I'm like, I want to work with this guy during our meeting, was like, he was like, you know, I want my staff to feel good. I want you to photograph them. I want staff photos. And I'm like, Wow. You've never heard that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this to him. Right. Like, seriously. It's not just about the food, the business, but he really knows that, you know, it's family. So I think he it, really cares. Yeah, he does. So wow. I think that kind of leads into, like, the most, I think, important topic of this. Besides raising the questions and talking about it more, because that's what this is all about, mm-hmm. to bring it to light, but what we can do to somehow change the industry, whether it's small or big, for the better, um, to help our peers that we're hanging out with every single day of our lives, pretty much, inside and outside of work. Um, That's a great example of somebody that is caring, like you said. That's obviously point one, caring. I mean, you have to actually care to make a change in the first place, because some people actually don't. Yeah, don't care. Unfortunately, but But maybe some care. Right. But that some... caring can be, you can be successful and care. I think there's a, a belief that to have a successful kitchen or a successful restaurant, you have to work your people to death. Yeah. But he true. has a very successful series of restaurants, and I've been to all of them, and they're amazing, right. and everybody in town loves them. And he cares, and he can be successful and care. So it's possible. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about, and one of the stories that came out recently was the I Got Your Back movement. Yep. And there was a, a SAC restaurant owner named Patrick Mulvaney mm-hmm. who kind of spearheaded a lot of this, which is the idea to literally have someone's back 
peer-to-peer mm-hmm. boss to employee, employee to boss. They actually started um, a thing at their restaurant where they have somebody each day that's like a peer that will wear a little sticker <laughs> that says that they're the person to go to in times of major stress. Not mm-hmm. regular restaurant stress, but like you're on the brink kind of thing. Right. Major issues. And it's worked for them that because they know that there's this person that, and that person feels obligated because they've been given that job for the day to check up on people and to like also kind of gauge where people are at. They even have a box where you have different color cards and like you drop in a card like today you're blue, (laughs) today you're red, you're angry, today you're Mm -hmm. yellow and you're sunshiny happy. Like, but I mean, he's tried to do something at Mm -hmm. least in the very least he's started that. Um, I mean, is this something that could work like peer to peer? Cause I feel like that for us could be something that's very helpful for many of us. I think that's really powerful because as you guys were talking and what I was thinking in my head is solutions and stuff. As you guys were talking, I was thinking they need to support each other. Mm-hmm. They need to talk to each other, ask each other how they're doing, support each other when, when they want to make healthy choices or, or having a rough time. So as I was thinking that and then you came up with that and you you mentioned that strategy and that is exactly what the kitchen culture needs is rather than you were saying earlier rather than encourage others to deal with it shut up don't say anything be more abusive be more (laughs) abusive how about we support each other and people in the kitchen support each other take a moment step aside breathe talk to me share it with me you know take care of yourself and it's okay to acknowledge that you're having a rough time so even that even just letting folks know it's okay to say i'm having a rough time or i need a minute Mm -hmm. like that's a big deal based on what you're saying about the culture as it is even that would be a huge change right one of the things that i've done uh personally and i did it from the beginning didn't even do it on purpose or anything it wasn't like i was definitely seeking out a mentor in the beginning but um I had a rough time in the very beginning of my career as a cook because you know I was coming from a completely different environment going from tv person to being a cook and I was older than a lot of the other people there starting a new career and you know they had expected a level of skill that I didn't have yet I mean I was a hard worker I wanted to do the best that I could but I faced so much abuse in the beginning, I can't even like, because that's what you do. You you literally break somebody, they call it breaking a mm-hmm. cook. And I was getting broken, like to the point where like, I would go cry in the walk-in, which is like the famous thing, go cry in the walk-in, that's what people say to people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, would have to just, again, hide it, because I didn't want to be weak. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a girl, in quotes, about it. And so what I did was I tried to seek out a person above me that could be my mentor and I didn't even look at it as a mentor at the time I was just like I need help here (laughs) and I was able and lucky to have somebody who was like our boss at the time Um, he used to be the executive chef at Bazaar um, here in town and he made it he helped me cope with the situation Mm -hmm. because it was looking it through different eyes and it was somebody that had already been through it and was doing what you were saying, which is handling it beautifully. Mm. So handling the stress beautifully, right. handling um, the expectations of perfection beautifully, and just somebody that I could respect and go to 
in times of stress. And honestly, if David Thomas, who that who I'm talking about, if he wasn't there for me and he wasn't like helping me pick up the pieces sometimes, I wouldn't have survived. Like there were points I definitely wanted to quit because I was just but getting you, railed you at out. times. You reached out, you recognized that and you reached out. Right. And that's a big deal. A lot of people don't reach out. They just try to tolerate, tolerate, and deal, deal. So that's something inside of you that you recognize, I'm having a hard time, and you reached out. And that's a very important quality. That's that's a survivor quality. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, though, that I would have done that at 22. Like, no. I think I would have been scared to. Mm-mm. So I didn't do it. I don't, I don't want to give myself so much credit. And it's thank you. That's awesome to say, but yeah, you but give I think a little it, credit. But I think at twenty two, <laughs> but an old lady credit is that what you yeah, want? Yeah, like I think at twenty two, I wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Like I think I had gone through a whole other career, and I was like drowning in a new career. And I was mature enough to realize that I needed help. Mm-hmm. But I feel like so many people are young and inexperienced in our job because, well, let's face it, almost anybody can just work in the food industry in the beginning. That doesn't mean they're going to be good. But I'm just saying, like, it's one of those things that you can start at 18 if you were mm-hmm. 16 or 15 if you want to without any experience or skill in anything and get really good mm-hmm. um so so would you recognize i think a lot of people that? don't would you recognize that in somebody and that and they're not looking... where they're young and and not comfortable reaching out that maybe you would reach out the other way and say hey and yeah. i feel like that now do that. for sure i do that yeah. i do that to my my trainees and whoever's in my sphere like i i talk to them about 10 minutes about work what's going on for the day and then the rest of the talk during the evening is going to be like hey you know how's it like you know how's your weekend so on and so forth i kind of like take their minds off you know what's going on and you're all that. connecting i'm with connecting them. with them and i i'm a big proponent of being like really just socially and like responsible for the people in your sphere and i think that's really really super important that's, that's yeah that's the change fundamentally that we need to important see. yeah is connecting with them mm-hmm. what can that do like the difference between oh. having a mentor and not having a mentor or a peer yeah, or, or a peer, a peer that it's you that, it's, that it's not even a peer or a mentor guys it's the connection that someone cares just yeah. any connection yeah, yeah. you Human. just turn someone that cares. switch on basically turn that switch on and this is a call for everybody to turn that switch on just be aware be conscious of the people that are around you if you're seeing that they're having a bad day i mean don't pile it on help them it doesn't really help the situation right. if you pile it on right. yell at them yelling never solves any, anything you know especially the insults and exactly. the abuse it really just makes you scared and you know there are never full positives yeah. <laughs> to being scared i mean sometimes scared being scared they're not yeah. going to work better yeah yeah they're exactly. not going to work better or p- be more productive or effective when they're stressed out and anxious they are not yeah and so it's the opposite of what you want for your business yep in closing i think it's really important to talk about industry changes just mm-hmm. a little bit right as an expert and being a therapist what are some things you think that the restaurant business or well people like us that actually look after other people and you know we're bosses too. We have bosses above us. What are things that we can do to change the situation for them and make it a more healthy environment mentally, emotionally? I think as the when it comes to the owners, they have to recognize that they are only as successful as their team, right? So when it comes to people who own the restaurants or the, the corporate backers or the money folk, 
to support a healthy environment, like rather than just the high dollar, whatever the dollar amount is, like maybe having some consideration. But I, I think the whole culture has to change and to do that, it is one step at a time. So like you were saying earlier, just identifying one person a day who is the connecting person, who's the keeping an eye out on everybody and, and just asking how they are, or, you know, just saying hi or just caring. Just put one person in the kitchen to connect and have an awareness of the vibe of the kitchen, mm -hmm. okay? And then the other is I love the idea of um, how you guys were mentioning the mentor or talking to somebody. Um, it's, a, it's a belief that, you know, to, to have a successful restaurant, it has to look like this. And it's a myth, it is not true, and just biologically, the healthier your crowd is, the more successful your product will be. So that whole myth has to, has to go where, you know, you can, this is what a successful kitchen looks like. It's a myth that is not even true. And you can see like by Kai Vu, like that is not true. Mm -hmm. He's one of the most successful in town. Like that, it does not have to be torture to work for a chef. So identifying having someone in there and encouraging, even if it's anonymous, let's say, um, not like a complaint box. I was thinking like, okay, let's say you have a program where if you're having a rough time, you get three free sessions. With, we'll cover the first three sessions with a yeah, counselor. Yeah, don't we that have you have that? a program or with something. With employee assistance program And or it's something? anonymous. There's usually 24-hour hotlines for most yeah. corporations for sure like right. especially the casinos mm -hmm. they have stuff like that that's available i don't know right. how many people take advantage of I, it i don't though. think i don't think so i don't think that people in our industry actually prioritize mental health yeah for sure and i don't think that honestly like they're maybe the, the people that work are aware of what's available to them well, you guys are calling them babies so i don't yeah. think they're going to be like oh i know need to go get some help if the whole idea is if you ask for help you're a big baby so support for that like mm -hmm. a chef going like uh, let me give you this or right. or the kitchen culture being supportive of getting help like you guys were saying like it has to change where you support it and you don't call them names and you don't degrade them and you don't make them feel bad for reaching out and getting some help well definitely lowering the stigma yeah. i think would be exactly a huge thing i mean there are times we need quite a bit out of people pushing them to the brink literally mm -hmm. all the time but I mean, on the other hand, it's like when you're out of the weeds, you know, and you're cool, yeah. then why are you still pushing me like that? Is exactly. it just to, is it just to be abusive? Because you think that's it's what you need benchmark. to It's a benchmark. And it's a very sad benchmark to live by. You know, in addition to all of this, you know, I feel like we should all build community. Like restaurateurs, reach out to other restaurateurs. I see this culture off strip. But I feel like people on the strip should actually get to know other cooks, other, you know, managers, and, and really talk about these uh, good issues and engage in more healthy activities. The bar, save that for another time, you know? Right. Yeah. And I feel like there should be establishments that open, that are open like late nights that, you know, provide healthier activities for chefs. I'm just giving Las Vegas, like ideas yeah and what i kind of want to see you know but I, I feel personally you know when i get off like late at night like that i feel just so cut off from the rest of the world mm -hmm. and 
you know, like, who do I turn to? Who do I, what do I do? Right. So, you're absolutely right. Right. If you're that person that needs the help, you probably know that you do. Mm-hmm. Just the last thing as a final say for you, Donna, what do you do? Just like you did, you reach out, you talk to somebody. So that could be a coworker. That could be someone above you. Mm-hmm. Maybe it should be someone above you that can actually give you some resources. Mm-hmm. Do you or reach out to a therapist? I know that's like. Yeah, and we're, you know, we're everywhere, but like someone you know. So there's a thing for breaking stigma. It's called share your story. Mm-hmm. If you guys have been to counseling, if, if you guys have benefited, share your story and tell somebody, I went and it helped me out a lot. That breaks the stigma. And then that's that's how I get a lot of my clients is because someone told them, I went and it helped me. You should try it. It, it can help. It's true. It's Being true. honest, basically. Yeah. Don't be embarrassed because you, know? you went to get help. Right. I, I think that's... Share your story, I would say. Right. Share your story. Own your story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, Don't I, be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's a big deal. And that's really, honestly, like the main reason why we're trying to do this. The reason why we have this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Just to build community, right. reach out to people, um, educate people, basically, of what it's really like to be in our shoes. It's a glorious industry. A lot of good. Yeah, it's a glorious industry, you know, like food is, it's it's so important to us, so pivotal to us that we, you know, kind of like. It literally sustains life. Like all, all these um, other. It's art to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, food is art. Food is great. I love it. <laughs> no joke. Food is like embedded in culture. Food is, you know, food is everywhere, basically. Mm-hmm. You can't go one day without thinking of food, basically. For sure. Right? We were talking about how we just, uh, when we're eating lunch, we're thinking about dinner. Right? <laughs> what are we having for dinner? Mm-hmm. What are you going to say, Donna? Right. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what it's like in the kitchen. They really don't. I mean, we see TV shows, but it's a TV show, and you're like, yeah, right, sure, it's not like that. The, the folks out there enjoying what you guys make do not have any idea the stress and the pressure. And so when you talk about like this podcast and building community, and I'm hoping that other folks who, who work in the kitchen get to listen to you guys and they, they feel understood. Yeah. And they feel that someone knows what it's like and that there are ways to have a healthier life even if you work in a kitchen. So it's a big deal what you guys are doing and I'm really glad that you're doing it. I see a lot that don't, they don't have the connection. They don't, nobody understands what it's like. Donna, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanna give out the number for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. The number is 800-273-8255. It's easy to Google, (laughs) it's easy to Bing. Uh, You can find it there as well. And they also have like an online chat. There's a place you can text. There's so many, avenues avenues to first get help to reach out um you know if if you're not able to reach out to your friend if you're not able to reach out to your boss or a mentor you don't know where to find one you don't have one these are places that even if even if you are not at the point where you want to take your life Mm -hmm. even if you're not at that point don't wait even if you're yeah even if you're at the point where you feel like you can't handle it by yourself anymore this is a place to start right um and it's just we support you yeah we support you. we love you <laughs> and you know our kitchens are always open late please reach out to us at two sharp chefs on instagram on facebook at two sharp chefs and a microphone 
And you can also reach us through our email at twosharpshefts at gmail.com. And coming up in the next few podcasts, we're going to be talking about movies. We're going to lighten it up a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, our favorite movies, our least favorite movies. Uh, we're going to be talking to um, people about uh, how to open a restaurant, like what it's like to manage, love life. That's a whole other thing that maybe oh even God. Donna can talk right, to I us know. about later, about how to what handle how to handle our relationships. Or lack of. That's yeah. Why I keep on saying <laughs> lack of love life. <laughs> I just want to leave you with a. Uh, a really, really amazing quote from Anthony Bourdain, uh, one of the people that really inspired us to start this podcast, uh, and one who we're celebrating pretty much the whole month of June, Bourdain Day on June 25th. It's Bourdain month. It's Bourdain It's pretty year. much Bourdain month. It's Bourdain every um, day. So this is what he said. Quote, maybe that's enlightenment enough to know that there is no final resting place of the mind, no moment of smug clarity. Perhaps wisdom is realizing how small I am and unwise and how far I have yet to go. This is Lorraine Moss. And Louis Victor. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Two sharp chefs and a microphone signing off. Thank you.